1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com
0: slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All
1: right, What's up, guys? It's Analyst, and we're back. Finally, I got a new webcam now, so we're all set up to get these YouTube videos pumping out. Uh, I'm joined again by Faraz. Hopefully, I don't know if this is... You, know, you said it would cover the whole screen, right? Right,
0: right. We're doing it on Zoom, there. so we're doing it a little bit differently.
1: <laughs> so yeah, so, so as I'm talking,
0: uh, I hopefully like, it's just me, and then when you're talking, hopefully it's just you. Instead of that split screen thing that Skype does.
1: That's okay, what we'll interesting. We'll so we're using Zoom. I was trying to point to like where he was, but it <laughs> apparently doesn't work like that. So uh, anyway, now that the chaos is out of the way... Um, we are doing a sleeper episode. So these are some of our must grab guys in all of your drafts. And, uh, if you aren't aware by now, we base just about everything on PPR, unless otherwise stated. So if we bring up a player, like one of my players is going to be really go- geared towards PPR. So if you're not in a PPR league, then, uh, you know, like we'll, we'll specify like this is mainly a PPR guys. We both, whatever, but just know in general, we're talking about PPR. So, uh, well, first of all, how you been? I haven't talked to you in a little bit. It's, yeah, it's been A couple of weeks.
0: It's been a little bit, man. We've been, we've been busy, man. August is just such a busy month. You know what I mean? It's summertime. Yes. You know, it's like, you know, so much going on. You know, and, and on he, top of that, like-
1: the season's about to start. Exactly, and it seems like there's been this uh, shred of doubt of whether the season was going to happen or not for like the last couple weeks, right. and it seems like now it's starting to become real. I'm noticing I'm getting more followers now, and more people are engaging, asking right. more questions. So, um, It's officially draft season this weekend, and next weekend they're going to be huge for drafts. As we're recording this, it is Wednesday night. I'm not sure if I'm planning to post this. I'll probably post tomorrow. Yeah. So uh, it'll be posted on Thursday, the 20th. Hopefully, nothing crazy happens by then. We've already had a ton of injuries in camp with Miles Sanders. And uh, I'm super bummed out about the Miles Sanders thing, man. I'm so bummed out because
0: I was so big. I'm so big on Miles Sanders, right? And for that to was he, happen. Was he your RB6?
1: Yeah. I feel like he was. Yeah, I see, I know. Yeah, I, yeah, like I think it was like my RB6. RB6. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But He's yeah, was just
0: like, I was just like, damn, like that that's that that that's like a huge burst to that bubble right there, honestly. But that's okay. That's
1: okay. It happened. And then Nick Chubb and concussion protocol. And I'm sure we're gonna have other injuries as this thing builds up. We have AJ Green with another another scare and Denzel Mims and stuff like that. So but uh I'm gonna be doing an injury podcast with fantasy docs next week or podcast video youtube video whatever so uh, we'll be able to go over all that for now let's get into some of these sleepers i'm gonna start it off with one of my favorite guys i made a post about him not too long ago and i know you're a fan of him too because he is on your hometown team well not your hometown team just your favorite team because hometown whatever no that is my
0: hometown team my hometown is new york so that is my hometown team. Go for Boston,
1: it, Boston, New York. I just want to make sure.
0: No, no, Boston. Point being, do not, do not put that on me. No. <laughs> I moved to Boston, I lived there for a while. It's not my hometown. As a New Yorker, I have to get that, make that clear. I'm sorry. Anyway, go ahead.
1: <laughs> anyway, my sleeper is Chris Herndon, who is finally being drafted. For the longest time, he was being undrafted, but I checked today, just a few minutes ago, his ADP is the end of the 13th round. So uh, he is finally being drafted 13th round is still an amazing price for a guy like him. Uh, He's the definition of a post-hype sleeper. Um, I mean, last year everybody was riding really high on him and he's his season got derailed from four game suspension. Then he had some injuries and he played one game. He got injured injured again. Uh, As far as injuries, I'm not too worried about it. It seems like he's healthy now. None of the injuries really scare me long-term. But he is going into his third year with the team. And even if he doesn't have three, like even if he didn't have two full seasons, this is still his third offseason. So uh, I, I will count that as his third year. He had a very impressive rookie year. He had over 500 yards. And on top of that, the Jets have been high on him for, since day one. To this day, Adam Gates is saying they have big plans for Chris Herndon in this offense. Jameson Crowder even called him the X factor, the true X factor of that team. So uh, on top of that, there is opportunity. They have 190 vacated targets. It may not, it's, it's probably like where the hell are those targets coming from? But Robbie had like 90 bears. Thomas had 60 between some of the running backs that left Bilal Powell and Ty Montgomery. There's some more left over there. So there's there's actually a good amount of targets available. And on top of that, Denzel Mims is sidelined with a hamstring injury and he has as of right now, no timetable to return. So There could be a clear path for a guy like Chris Herndon to be anywhere from the number one, number two, or number three target priority on this team. Wherever he ends up, it's probably going to be number two, to be honest. Number one, depends on Bell. But point being, he's going to be heavily involved in this offense. He's going to be a threat in the red zone. And at the very last round, I mean, even if you're taking the 13th now, if you kind of gave away the tight end position, you can totally grab him at the end. A lot of things, a lot of times what I like to do is I like to grab a second tight end with, with very high upside. Last year, my guy was Mark Andrews. And if that worked out, you know, if you picked him at the very end of your draft, even though you already had a good tight end, then you could use him for trade bait, flex, whatever it was. So um, picking one of those guys at the end of their draft can never hurt. Chris Herndon's one of my favorite sleepers. And uh, you, you got to think about, I mean, the, the amount of people that last year after his suspension rushed to pick him up or like just kept him on the roster, really speaks volumes to how much we believe in him as a player so I I believe he's a very talented player he's going to have the opportunity in front of him and I'm all over him at the end of your drafts if you can get him as I think he could be I don't want to say top five although everything after like five or six is totally wide open as far as tight ends I mean I think can think of like five or six possibilities who could actually finish the tight end five so, but I, I won't go as far to say he could be the tight end five, but I think top 10 is definitely in the picture if all goes well. But uh, are, you, are you a fan of Chris Herton? I imagine you are. <laughs> I
0: am, man. I mean, I was one of those guys too last season. Uh, I was big on him. And he was one of those guys that, you know, unfortunately he had the suspension, right? So I didn't recommend anyone to draft him, right? It was four game suspension. So, right, it was four games, right? I think yeah, that's what four. it was. And, um, and then he had the hamstring injury and then he had the rib injury. So you know, it was just like we were holding on to him. Uh, some people drafted him. Some people picked him up after like week two, right? Because their tight end situation didn't work out, um, and you know you ended up keeping him on your roster. And then you find out he has a hamstring injury, and partly because he didn't wasn't with the team, right? So he probably wasn't doing football activities as he should have been, um, and then he that's what ends up happening uh, with these hamstring injuries. So he he has a chance to lead lead this team in targets. Like who? The guy who we think might uh, compete with him is Jamison Crowder, potentially. Le'Veon Bell, potentially. Um, but I think Chris Herndon is a guy like, who will be – we saw what Sam Darnold did with him last preseason, for example. Like, he, they had a huge connection, right? His rookie year, he put up numbers as far as like, receiving yards goes like, that not that many tight ends have done in their careers in their rookie year. Um, So there's a lot to say about his talent and what he's capable of and how NFL ready he is. So um, I think Adam Gase has a lot of plans for him. Um, I think he could be somebody who can absolutely kill this year if he stays healthy. And whenever you have a situation like this where, you know, a tight end could potentially lead the team in targets or close to it, you got to take a stab at that guy, especially when he's talented like Chris Herndon, right? Especially if you're going to get him in the 13th, 14th round, it's kind of a no brainer, right? Especially like you said, if you want to take that second tight end, Totally worth it. You, you have anything else to add about Chris Herndon? I'm going to go into my first sleeper.
1: Uh No, just the fact that I love him. And honestly, I'm, I'm working on an article. I've been working on it for a little bit. But I, I'm a big believer that taking two tight ends is a, a potentially league winning strategy. Now, just I can't believe there are people that don't take a second tight end. Not just for bye weeks. I mean, if you ignore the tight end position, you're in a twelve team league. You're going to be left without a really good bye week filler. You can that could be an automatic loss. At the same time, I'll, I'll just get a little bit into it. I want to get, you know, this is going to be a whole sure. video about tight ends if I don't stop. But um. <laughs> Point being, if you're looking past the 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th round, as far as running backs and wide receivers, there aren't too many guys who you could rely on to get 10 plus points every single week, as opposed to the tight ends to where you may be on the ninth, 10th, 11th tight end to the point where I I could think of tight ends up to 20 who could possibly get 10 points per week. You know, if, if you're talking about value at the position, it's the wide receiver 50, 60, the running back, 40s, 50, whatever, the tight end, 15, 14, 13, 12, 11, even 10 sometimes at the end of your draft. So it's definitely well worth it to take a tight end, trade bait, flex play, whatever it might be. Last year there was a league where I had, um, I think it was Evan Ingram, Mark Andrews, and Darren Waller. So I had a ton of trade bait, ton of flexibility with those guys. I ended up building a championship roster from those pieces. So just a quick little tidbit on tight ends. But uh, right, who's you, your first sleeper? Especially if lead really loves to trade. Uh, the first guy I want to talk about is Jack McKinnon.
0: Okay. Um, there is no set starter in the 49ers backfield right now. Right. Raheem Mostert, you know, he picked up steam at the end of the, at the, end of the year. Uh, but he was, the, he was third on the depth chart behind Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida when the season began. Right. Even though he somewhat did his thing before he got hurt, before he broke, he broke his arm the season before. Right. And he was doing well. Now, he did his thing last year. He deserved to be fed after that point, no doubt, right? Like, we've seen that backfield rotate, though, on multiple occasions over the last few seasons with Kyle Shanahan. Uh, so there is something to say about taking the cheapest option late when it comes to our fantasy drafts, when it comes to this backfield in particular, right? Um, whenever a backfield is not set in stone like this one, you know, and, and I when you look at Mostert, like, you look at what he did last year and you're like, wow, like, he's, he's amazing. But – he's not a special running back right he's fast right he's taking advantage of the fact that he's running behind a good offensive line uh and he's running in an even better outside zone running scheme right it it sets up running backs to be successful um and there have been multiple occasions over the past two off seasons where the 49ers had an opportunity to cut McKinnon right and either have no repercussions whether it came to a you know, when it came to dead cap, right. Or very little repercussions when it came to dead cap. Right. And there were multiple points where they could have cut him to save some money. I save a lot of money and they didn't because they gave up a lot of that upfront. You know, when, when he signed his contract and those decisions, you know, came before they were set to pay McKinnon. So um, remember McKinnon has been hurt this entire time, like for almost two seasons now and they decided to keep him. Right. And that says something to me. Um, And now he's back. Kyle Shanahan says he seems ready to make his comeback, right? McKinnon was handpicked by Shanahan when he became a free agent in 2018, when when Carlos Hyde uh, became a free agent, right? He already had Matt Breida, right? When he was looking for a job to be a featured back. Do you remember that? Like, with Derek McKinnon, when he left Minnesota, he's like, I want to be a featured back. And everyone was like, really? You want to be a featured back? And he said he wants to go a place. Well, he, he'll be the feature back. And he decided to sign with San Francisco based on something they told him. Right? So, like, I know it's two years later, right, of course. I think, But I do think that McKinnon is still the most versatile back on the 49ers roster. Um, he might be the best outside zone runner of any of these backs and is definitely the best pass catcher. Um, he's been busting his ass to make his comeback. And I think there's a good chance that, you know, he's in the running just like all these other guys, to be part of the top two, you know, rotational backs, right? If not the top running back in this backfield at some point this season, I think he's already looking good in camp, right? The reports are good. He's lining up in the slot in the backfield. Um, he's been one of the most impressive players so far, according to all these beat reporters. So um, you have the unfortunate Jalen Hurd ACL tear, right? That also leaves some more opportunity for McKinnon, considering what kind of role Jalen Hurd was going to play this year. That hybrid running back, slot wide receiver, lining up all over the place type of guy. Um, And McKinnon is versatile enough to take on some of those opportunities. Um, But as far as the upside for McKinnon, I think he becomes, you know, the upside is that he becomes the 1A in this backfield, right? And if he's that guy, he'll likely play around like 60% of snaps potentially. Um, But the, the key is that his pass catch, his pass catching ability, right? Well, he'll potentially be able to rack up four or five catches per game because that's just what he does best on top of, you know, however involved he is in the running game. You know what I'm saying? Carlos, Carlos freaking Hyde had 88 targets a couple seasons ago under Shanahan. Right. And McKinnon, you know, I like to bet on t- talent in those situations. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, McKinnon, like when he played over 50% of snaps in his career, he's averaged more than four targets per more, I'm sorry, more than four catches per game. Um, so that's just what he does best. And especially like, the fact that he's going in the 14th round right now, low risk, high upside. I like to target those those murky backfields, right? Um, so that's that's the That's why I like McKinnon uh, this year, especially just just because of his price.
1: Oof. <laughs> that was a lot. I feel like I'm watching a movie and I'm sitting here. And I'm like, that, was <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot. That was it's a lot. It's okay. That's why we're here. This is perfect. But um, yeah. As as far as McKinnon, where do I start? I think you covered just about every possible outcome I, I, in that
0: situation. It's, it's funny, like, when I'm talking about these guys, I want to leave no stone unturned.
1: You, you know what? That's the best thing, too. We, we limited this to six players, and it's probably going to be, well, like, over 45 minutes somehow.
0: <laughs> Sorry, man. How long no, no. That? no okay. I, that's that like good, a 15 though. 15-minute rant. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you know what? The thing with McKinnon, too, is, like, would you rather take a chance on Raheem Mostert in the fifth, Tevin Coleman eighth, ninth, or Jarek McKinnon in the 14th? if this is going to be most likely a hot hand situation anyway, might as well go with the tail end guy who's still going to have a role. And they desperately need that pass catching running back. Not that Tevin Coleman can't be that guy or Raheem Mostert doesn't have the potential to be that guy, but more so that's Jared McKinnon's specialty. Right? So over the last three seasons, believe it or not, their fullback Kyle Juszczyk has led the team in targets per game over the last three years. That's their fullback. Yeah. Led the backfield in targets per game. That's crazy. So they've really had to rely on their fullback to be that mean guy in the backfield. Obviously Debo Samuel, he's got the injury. It's going to nag him the whole season. They're signing every reject wide receiver in the league right now. Jaron Brown, JJ Nelson, Tavon Austin, anyone they can get their hands on. They need help, right? They need help in that receiving game. And Jarek McKinnon, like you said, as opposed to a guy like Tevin Coleman, or Raheem Mostert, they might need 10, 15 touches, to return value that week and it could be either one of those guys but i I think jarek mckinnon's the guy who has a chance to establish himself a weekly role as a pass catcher when you think about who can be the early down back you know there's a couple different guys that fit that uh fit that spot for jarek mckinnon he's the best guy to be the pass catcher so and and like you said if he gets five catches like in a week takes it for eight, nine yards, whatever the hell it is. I mean, he could be borderline 10 points every single week, and you're right. getting this guy in the 14th round. So uh, I'm, I'm all over Jerick McKinnon, just like I two. mean, if, I, if I you think... had
0: to pick one running back in that backfield to get 10 to 15 touches per game, it's McKinnon. That's what you want because a, a, the, he'll get the biggest percentage of uh, targets. Uh, or uh, as far as his touches go, the biggest percentage of his com- total touches – would be uh, catches out of any of the any other, other running backs. So that's why you know his value would be the highest if he were to be the 1A.
1: Absolutely. And you know what's funny, too, is that um, Raheem Mostert, as good as he did in the championship game, he wasn't the starter for the Super Bowl. Right. So, And that just goes to show you that nothing in this offense is guaranteed. And when nothing in this offense is guaranteed, they all get increased risk as opposed to Jarek McKinnon in the end of your draft who has very little risk at that point. So I definitely agree with you there. Um, Yeah, I mean, that was great. So we have two sweepers down. I'm going to get to my third guy, my my second guy. I'm already losing my (laughs) crap over here. Um, So I got two guys to choose from. I think I'm going to roll. You went for the pass catching running back. I'm going to go for my pass catching running back. That's going to be Naheem Hines. So Naheem Hines, he's not getting a lot of love right now. Uh he his ADP has dropped from the twelfth round to the end of the third round. It's gonna get lower and lower as uh what is it? Jonathan Taylor starts getting all these camp reports. Uh, guess what? You, you know Faraz, guess what? Faraz not Faraz, Jonathan Taylor, the best runner in this class, is doing well in camp against the second team with that offensive line. Who would have thought that would happen? Oh, Who would think Who would have thought Jonathan Taylor would do good against the second? I know he's getting more reps of the first team now, but point being the Colts don't have a good running defense anyway. So
0: whatever. Can I just say something first? I'm sorry. I know you want – listen. Ian Hartzett, he's he's a great follow on Twitter. He posted a David Montgomery run. From last offseason, yes, he It Montgomery was an amazing run, really right? Well. He was like breaking tackles. He looked so legit, and he just posted it with zero context, like, "Oh my god, I'm so glad that David Montgomery is doing so well in camp." And I was like, "Oh my god, look at that! Oh man, gotta go after David Montgomery this year, this and that." And literally, he posted later that that was just a test. That was actually a clip from last offseason. <laughs> it was and great. You know, it was so such funny. a great experiment, right? Like, because it's like this is how the hype trains start, and you just have to be careful. You know what I mean? Remember what happened with David Montgomery earlier last year. I'm not saying Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor's a different guy, right? But it's just interesting. Like, just, just, just calm down a little bit when it comes to these camp runs and all that kind of stuff. Like, you should take it. Take it with a grain of salt. Understand what's happening there. It's always a good thing that he's doing well. But, you know, anyway, I digress.
1: Yeah, and at the same time, like, uh, I remember seeing that, and it's funny because I saw that, and I'm like, that's last year. That's not this year. (laughs) Because I specifically remember freaking out about it last year. (laughs) Right. So just goes to show that's uh, exactly that. So about Naheem Hines, right? So he's one of my favorite late-round running back targets. He's one of those guys who can get 10-plus points per week. Not necessarily a high upside guy, although there is potential more so, like, a depth piece who can be a weekly flex play if needed. So I'm getting a little bit into him. A lot of people label him as the third string running back on this team. I don't really see him that way. I see him as the primary pass catcher out of this backfield. Jonathan Taylor, this is a stat from the uh, fantasy footballers. um, They threw out that Jonathan Taylor had nine drops on 50 catchable targets uh, in college. So, you know, pass catching, he's a little, he's definitely capable, but point being, he doesn't have too much experience and Marlon Mack, he had 17 targets as opposed to Naheem Hines, 58 targets last year. So Marlon Mack is definitely not the receiving back in this backfield. Jonathan Taylor still has a little ways to go before he's the receiving back in this backfield. It's, I, I'm on full on board that it's Naheem Hines' role. And why that's important? Because the starting quarterback is Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers, over the last five years, has averaged 147 targets to running backs. That's not just Austin Eckler, that's Danny Woodhead, Melvin Gordon. Um, Austin Eckler is definitely in there. Austin Eckler was there for a good portion of it, but point being, he's had this trend for quite some time through multiple offensive coordinators as well. So, um, he's reunited with Nick Sirianni, who, by the way, last year, what was it? Two years ago now, two years ago, drafted Naheem Hines. Uh, he was with the coaching staff as their offensive coordinator. He was involved in getting Naheem Hines on the team the year after Marlon Mack was on the team. So um, Naheem Hines is Sirianni's guy, and Sirianni is reuniting with Philip Rivers, who he worked with in, in um, Los Angeles, San Diego, whatever the hell they worked. Um, okay, so the Colts' pass attempts from Andrew Luck in 2018 was 631, which is very high. And last year, they went to 487 pass attempts, which is a huge drop-off. That's over 100-plus passes just gone. Imagine just, like, over 100 targets just vanishes. So that's kind of how it goes when you have Jacoby Brissett as your starter. But now they have Phillip Rivers who, even if he's not going to throw 600 times, he can definitely very much improve on that 487. He can definitely get well, like, 500, 550, which just means more targets are available. Um on top of that, obviously we know Philip Rivers' trends when throwing to running backs, and there's been a lot of been a lot of talks with the coach, right? So Nick Sirianni, he pointed to uh, what Danny Woodhead did when he was with the Chargers. So Danny Woodhead at 30 years old, I believe it's a 2015 season where he had 100 targets and 80 receptions of those 100 targets. So he he pointed to that type of season when he talked about Naheem Hines, which is pretty big. Uh, both Reich and Sirianni the head coach and the offensive coordinator say they anticipate a large role for Hines in the passing game and Frank Reich says he wouldn't be surprised if there were games where Naheem Hines had 10 plus catches so um all this is great coach talk is what it is but at the same time two years ago Naheem Hines was a top 25 PPR running back and a lot of people are forgetting that that was the year with those 600 plus pass attempts so um I do like Naheem Hines as a pass catcher. Does he have Austin Eckler type upside? I wouldn't say that. But at the very best, you're getting a PPR running back too. I'm not saying that's likely. I'm just saying he has some serious passing volume coming his way. So uh, definitely well worth a shot in the 13th round if you're in a PPR league. If you're in a standard or half not really my guy half, maybe, but like standard, he's just someone I'd stay away from, you know, he's going to get most of his points on his catches. If he can rack up five or six catches a game, which is, which would be insane, but um, you know, that's where his value is going to come from. So uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm a fan of Heinz of, uh, that late. What about you? Are you a fan of Hines? Uh, I like him as a player.
0: I don't, I don't know if he's going to get a ton of time on the field, um, you know, especially if, you know, if the rookie can actually do some things and, you know, they want this to kind of become a, a run-heavy approach with uh, Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack being a one-two punch, uh, you know, on early downs. Obviously, Naheem Hines is going to be the guy on passing downs and all that. Uh, but, you know, guys like Austin Eckler, guys like Darren Sproles, and guys like uh, who am I missing? Woodhead. Danny Woodhead, they are playing a lot on early downs as well, right? They were kind of being mixed into that rotation. I don't know how much Naheem Hines is going to get mixed in. Uh, but, you know, Frank Wright has been on teams with those other guys that I mentioned, you know, and had them involved on early downs. So it is possible. And, you know, Philip Rivers' tendencies can, you know, make some of that possible too. Um, now, a guy that on the same team, I think we're doing really good with these transitions now, uh, Paris Campbell, right? Uh, he's, <laughs> he's another guy who couldn't get healthy right, in his rookie year. Uh, he was drafted in the second round. Uh, he was basically hand-picked to fit Frank Reich's offense. Um, Reich, he raved about, about about him, you know, before his rookie season, uh, basically saying that he excels uh, in that short to intermediate role in the slot. And Reich, you know, he bases his passing game on that short to intermediate uh, passing game, right? Um, and Campbell is basically a guy who can catch those passes, do a lot with it after the catch. Um, and he's fast as hell. Right his, I think he ran like a sub4 three um uh 40 before his rookie yes, year, on. so he's more of he a yeah he was I think he was the fastest that year, yeah um, he's not necessarily like a deep guy like where you like you know he catches the ball deep, but he's more of a short to intermediate guy' like who a
1: breakaway can, guy
0: exactly get in and out of his breaks super super quickly, catch it, do something after the run. It might remind you of somebody you know that Philip Rivers played with for a while, uh, but he's more of a PPR pick um so so far in camp he's showing out. You know, Frank Reich is saying that he looks confident. He knows what he's doing. Doesn't look like a rookie at all. Like, he's, he's like a pro, right? He's ready. Uh, Rivers had a lot of good, thing, good things to say about him as well, saying that he's explosive. The sky's the limit for him. And Rivers is targeting him in camp, according to Beat Reporters. So, if he's going to be the main slot wide receiver, you know, remember, Eric Ebron is out, right? Who, by the way, played a lot of the slot last season. Um, you have Philip Rivers, who has been targeting a slot wide receiver named Keenan Allen for a little while now. Um, And I I just think it's adding up for Campbell to potentially rack up potentially 75 to 80 catches this season. You know, whether T.Y. Hilton stays healthy this year, who knows. Uh, But my bet is on Campbell uh, behind Hilton to be the second targeted receiver overall. And that's including guys like Naheem Hines, Jack Doyle, Michael Pittman, uh, because of how he fits the offense. Uh, The Colts, they ran 11 personnel. With, you know, with three wide receivers in the field at the 12th highest rate last season. And that was with both Doyle and Ebron on the roster, right? Now that Ebron's gone, that rate can potentially go up. And with Campbell healthy, that should go up, right?
1: Um, Not only that, but if you look at the wide receivers they had last year too, their number one guy was Zach Pascal for right,
0: most of the season. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, so last year, you know, I think it was a, it was obviously a lost year for him, right? Hamstring strain, ab strain hand fracture, foot fracture, um, and he still has a ton of talent, you know, despite going through a bunch of injuries last year. It was just an unlucky year for him. Um, so I'm back on him, especially with Rivers at QB. I was out after Luck retired, right, obviously before last season. Uh, but I think everybody
1: was out of this, just every single piece. Exactly. I was out on Paris
0: Campbell even in his rookie year last year, uh, but things didn't work out. Injuries, Luck, all that. So, um, and by the way, Paris Campbell is going undrafted right he's a last pick in PPR drafts if you want to grab him you know what i'm saying i think he could potentially uh, get a ton of targets and be a PPR stud right potential wide receiver 3 uh, type of situation here in PPR leagues
1: yeah i'm 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 with you he's one of those guys who's going to be like my second to last last pick in every draft uh, definitely one of those wide receivers i'll look to add with upside it, it's funny how you look at like some of these offenses last year who weren't all that great and how much value you can find the year after Like I'm finding, like uh, in the Colts' offense, we already brought up Naheem Hines and Paris Campbell as two of our sleepers. Jack Doyle's going really late as well. Jonathan Taylor, with all the success he's been having, is going the fourth, fifth round. Uh, Philip Rivers is obviously undrafted, so there's a lot of pieces in this offense that you can get a uh, get a part of really late. Washington's Washington is another team like that, to where uh, Adrian Peterson's going at the tail end of your draft. He could be the early down guy there. Uh, Antonio Gibson's going a little high, but. I mean like Logan Thomas, Steven Sims, like Dwayne Hat they they're just guys who you can target really late in your drafts who could have significant roles on their teams, so although these teams may not seem like they're going to be the best offense, it doesn't hurt to take a shot on them in the 14th, 15th round when they could have a serious ooh, hit the mic but they could have a serious role on their teams, so um, it's just uh, interesting to think about that so now we're, we're talking about I'm going to transition here I uh-huh. don't. I feel like this is going to ruin the transitions <laughs> going to the best offense in the league. Second best, best, whatever you want to call it. The Ravens off. <laughs> yeah, that was t- awful. Um, so my next sleeper is JK Dobbins. Um, there was a report, which I was sad to hear is untrue, but the report was Gus Edwards and a third round pick going to Jacksonville for Yannick and Gawkway, which got me really excited about J.K. Dobbins. But even if Gus Edwards stays in that backfield, I am still really excited about J.K. Dobbins. Um, now, look, with yeah, Dobbins, was yeah, my number. I
0: wanna, can you just say something? Yeah, go ahead. Gus Edwards is not going to be involved in the running game next year. That's it. That's all I got to say. Go ahead.
1: That's Faraz's analysis. This is not <laughs> – <laughs>
0: That's Gus Run. don't worry about him man Gus Edwards like either way whether he was getting traded or not don't worry about him, man. anyway sorry
1: I yeah I mean it just it definitely helps right like to see a guy like Gus Edwards who had over 700 yards last year just be out of the picture is just nice whether he's going to be involved or not it's just nice with the comfort of it you know what I mean so point being um jk Dobbins, my number one running back in this class actually i had him over uh jonathan taylor i had him over deandre swift i don't think anyone had clyde edwards in their top three but pointing uh jk Dobbins was my number one if you saw what he's able to do past that line of scrimmage i i, I described him as like a really smooth runner the way he's able he he has one of the best ball carrier views i've seen out of this class so um just watch his film. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And the only way I can describe him is smooth. So he's a very smooth runner, uh, very clean, doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And at the same time – so so. I, and this is the best rushing offense in the league. They had almost 600 rush attempts last year. And they had more rushing yards and rushing rush touchdowns than any other team in the league. So, um, obviously, it's a great situation to be in. It just comes to opportunities. For us, I already mentioned – Gus Edwards is not going to be involved in the running game. I'm in the same boat. They drafted J.K. Dobbins for a reason. If they really wanted Gus Edwards to be a part of this offense, then they wouldn't have drafted J.K. Dobbins in the second round. Uh, Mark Ingram, I believe he has an out after this year in his contract. So I I think he is technically under contract for this year and next year, but he does have an out after this year. Um, J.K. Dobbins has already said himself that he wants to fight for a starting role. He's not there to be backup. He wants to get involved in this offense right away. So I love that about him. When it comes to opportunity, I got into an argument with someone on Twitter, as I do a lot these days. And one of the things things he said is that J.K. Dobbins was going to be involved in his offense because Lamar Jackson is going to take away a lot of that rushing, um, a lot of those rushing opportunities. But if you take away Lamar's rushing attempts from last year, they still had 420 rushing attempts between running backs, wide receivers, running it out, whatever it is, Ryan Griffin, whatever. Not Ryan, Robert Griffin. Whatever, they had 420 attempts, which is still the 12th best in the league. So you take away Lamar Jackson's 100-plus rush attempts, they still are a top 12 team in rushing. So there's definitely opportunity there. I already mentioned Gus Edwards had over 700 yards last year as a backup uh, to Mark Ingram. Now Mark Ingram, speaking of him, was a top. He was a low-end running back one, and he averaged less than 50% of snaps throughout the year largely because they kept blowing teams out and didn't need him to be on the field. But, um, point being, I mean, if JK Dobbins can get 40 to 50% of the snaps, which is very, very possible. And I assume his role is going to only grow as the year goes. Uh, he could put up high, high end running back two numbers, if not more in that type of role, if this offense stays, um, at the high level it is, and there's no reason to suggest it's not. I mean, obviously those touchdowns can go down for Lamar. That was a lot of touchdowns for not that much throwing. Um, So I do expect his touchdowns to go down. But at the same time, this offense is going to be just as efficient considering the way they run it. So, I mean, J.K. Dobbins can easily get, I'd say, 150, 175 touches. And if he becomes the primary ball carrier at any point during the year, that could be 200-plus. So this is a guy you're getting at the beginning of the end of the sixth round, beginning of the seventh round in some leagues, maybe even later, because people don't want to take a chance on him with Mark Ingram there. But I mean, if you look at like situation like DeAndre Swift and Cam Mays, who are both going a round or two ahead of J.K. Dobbins, I mean, DeAndre Swift does not have the best line in front of him to block. They do want to be a run rush heavy offense, but he does have Carry-on Johnson there in front of him as well although Carrion's not going to be too much of a factor point being it's, it's not an elite offense like the Ravens. And then the uh, Cam Akers, he's in a three way backfield, potentially four. They said they might use four backs in Los Angeles. They have the worst. I think there was a 32 ranked rushing offensive line in the NFL last year for the Rams. So Cam Akers, if anything, I believe is in a worse situation than JK Dobbins. Like Cam Akers could be, he has a chance to be the one, a, I guess, earlier on. But at the same time, when J.K. Dobbins takes over as that 1A, his upside is through the roof. So, um, I'm a huge fan of J.K. Dobbins, if you can't already tell. I mean, it's funny here. The backups for the Ravens, right? uh, Gus Edwards and Justice Hill combined for 260 touches. That's more touches than Aaron Jones, who finishes the running back two, more touches than Austin Eckler, who finishes the running back four, and Mark Ingram. That they had more touches than the starter, Gus Edwards and uh, Justice Hill, and Markinger was RB11. So even if J.K. Dobbins is the the uh, RB1B, he still has plenty of value to offer. And if he takes over as the one, his upside just goes through the roof.
0: Yeah, that was great, man. I I, that was that was a really good breakdown right there. Um, The 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 three guys you mentioned, Austin Eckler. Aaron Jones, and Mark Ingram, they were extremely uh, dependent, not dependent, I was going to say dependent on touchdowns, but their touchdown efficiency was extremely high, right? And that's something that we have to keep in mind, or at least I'm keeping in mind when it comes to Mm -hmm. this offense, especially Mark Ingram and where he's being drafted right now, um, just because there might be some um, opportunity for J.K. Dobbins to potentially take some of that goal line opportunities away from Ingram as well. Yep. Um, you know, we know that you know uh, his his counterpart was able to like get some goal line carries, but he didn't really come through, right? When I'm talking, I'm talking about Gus Edwards. Um, yep. So a lot of that went back to Ingram. Uh, but at the same time, like this is going to be a one A one B situation. Uh, we're, never, we're not going to know who that one A is going to be before the season starts. Uh, but I think no matter who it's going to be, I think the splits between Ingram and and Dobbins probably will stay a, a, e- somewhat equal. I can see about like mm-hmm. fifteen per game each, something like that, right? Where I think Ingram's max was like fifteen carries a game last year. I think he was on a he was on more of a count. I think Dobbins uh, isn't going to be on that sort of count. Like if they need yeah, him
1: to carry the ball, like that's another interesting point goal. too. Because like if if the um, if the Ravens are up. Like last year, every time they were up, they just kind of pulled Ingram out of the game. Mm -hmm. They just kind of would pull him out, send Edwards in to run out the clock. If you're in that type of situation, I don't necessarily see a reason for you to pull J.K. Dobbins out of the game. So let's say if J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram are splitting the work in the first half of the game and they're absolutely crushing it, they have a big lead, they take Ingram out and then Dobbins just stays there for the rest of the game. I mean, I don't really see a reason to go to your third-string back at that point. If anything, they stay with the rookie and let him get that experience yeah, for right. the rest of the game.
0: Agreed. They're not. So gonna... it,
1: this is like it's the opposite of like garbage time,
0: <laughs> right? And right, or, or the guy that you want is going to be in the game during garbage time as well, right? Which is yeah. which, which is which is great. Um, but, but yeah, typically, no, you I,
1: think of garbage time as like you're down. And then, like, you just send them in and they just get whatever points to end up the game as opposed to you're blowing the other team out and this guy is getting extra points just running out the clock. So Exactly. And
0: I think, you know what, the fact that he's going where he's going, I think, you know, there's enough upside with J.K. Dobbins in that offense where, like, if you need a running back three, for example, you know what I'm saying, or you need a running back four, you know, you want to shoot for upside, right? And he's one of those guys, if you're going to be getting 15 touches plus in that offense, you know, it, there's not much you can say that would, you know, sh- make me shy away from that pick, you know, around that spot, unless I already have, you know, three, or four running backs on my roster already and I'm good for the most part. If he's on the clock, you know, it's hard to pass up on that type of upside. Obviously there's a lot of receivers during, you know, around that area which you might like, but, who you know you kind of have to look for upside when you want to win championships, right? A lot of those guys that you're going to be picking in the sixth seventh round, you know they might be good, you know they might give you a solid floor in P b r like we all say, but when you want game you know championship winning players, sometimes you got to go for it, and the name of the game is upside for the most part. Um, so my third sleeper oh, by the way, are you done with j k Yeah, I think I'm done you can never be you can never be so sure with you. By JK, because I know you love him.
1: Yeah, year. I know. In like five minutes, I'll be like, wait, there's this point <laughs> in JK. <laughs> but you know, I, I love the fact that we take our time with these guys. Because yeah. now, honestly, yeah, yeah, there's right. not yeah. a lot of people who will do that. Sure. There's a lot of people who are on time restrictions when it comes to looking at certain exactly. players. But exactly. By by the the way, if team.
0: anyone heard Joey just talking about uh, Kmakers being in a four-way timeshare, sh- time just know that I don't agree with that shit at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sterling <laughs> Shepard. Uh, Sterling Shepard is my last guy that I want to talk about. Um, By the way, after this, I want to just like, I I made a list of all the guys that I was considering. I just want to, I just want to go down that list without without any explanation. Just like go down after. Yeah,
1: and I I definitely have some um, deep guys. I I actually mentioned one of them before.
0: Right, right. So,
1: so when I look at the Giants,
0: for me, Sterling Shepard's the best wide receiver on the Giants. Right. That's there's that. Right. And when we're trying to figure out who the best wide receiver is. You know, you're looking at all these other guys, you're looking at Darius Slayton. It's Sterling Shepard, right? He can separate on the outside with the best of them. He plays. Or this is team.
1: it Evan Ingram?
0: What's that? Or is it Evan Ingram? Right. Evan Ingram, he's great. Like, he can lead the lead team in targets. <laughs> but when it comes to the best wide receiver, Right. Yes. Well, everything was like, is good of a wide receiver.
1: Right? That's what I'm saying. He's basically a wide receiver. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but but like, Positional
0: wise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He can, he, any place on the outside. Um, yeah. He can separate, like, you know, he started his career in the slot. Right. And then you, you we, we, didn't know whether he could go on the outside, he can separate, you know what I mean? They, they got golden tape and you're like, Oh great. They have two slot wide receivers. What are they going to do? What is getting doing? You, you know, he's, 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 he's doing gentleman things, but turns out Shepard is pretty good on the outside. Um, he can separate. Um, he, can, he can separate from man coverage. Um, he can beat guys on the outside, uh, which is really interesting. And he plays the slot a little bit as well. Uh, Golden Tate is still there as their primary slot guy. Uh, Darius Slayton, right, showed a lot of skills as a rookie, no doubt, right? He has a bright future in that role, uh, but he's more of a one-trick pony. That one trick made a lot of plays last year, but if you notice, you know it was a lot of like uh, contested big plays, right? Not a lot of the underneath or intermediate to support that. So what I'm saying is that, you know, it's not something that is as replicatable or something you can depend on, right? Um, uh, Slayton's high target games last year and those big games that he had came without Shepard on the field. His 15 target game was played without Shepard is one of his, and then his next high target games was he had two nine target games, right? And one of them was without Golden Tate. So, you know, this turned into an anti Darius Slayton rant right now, but it's not like that, right? I like Slayton. I just don't think he deserves, I'm sorry, I don't think he develops into a number one receiver, right? I think without these guys on the field, Ingram, Shepard, Tate, he can be forced targets, right? By, necess- by necessity, but if guys miss time, sure, but I think it's necessary to talk about Slayton uh, because Shepard gets overlooked, right? And people might think there's room for, like, a number one wide receiver to emerge, right? And they think that Sh- Slayton's going to, like, take over after the rookie year that he had. Um, but I, think, I still think that the number one is Shepard. Sh- uh, you know, Slayton is being taken two rounds ahead of him, right? But Shepard is the best route runner of all these guys. He wins against press coverage. Right when you look at Matt Harmon's reception perception, it's very promising. Um, and then when you look at the target numbers for Stone Shepard last year, ready? Seven, nine, 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 six, seven, eleven, six, ten. So that comes out to eight point three targets per game. That ranked sixteenth in the league last year. That's super steady target numbers right there. Right. Um, so in the eleventh round, I'm in on Shepherd.
1: Yeah, and he, he also had six in a sixty percent of his games he had nine or more targets, so exactly. that's you know that basically goes on to what you're saying. Forty two of his targets came from the slot, which if you look at he what he had eighty three last year. What? He How many targets, targets call together? Yeah. Eighty three targets last year. Yeah, so he had eighty three targets. Forty two of those came from the slot. He had the ninth best target rate in the slot. Uh, I know you said he's not playing in the slot. But he, he does though?
0: Like he he plays like the Z, does. right. He plays the Z. Yeah. So, like
1: he's a flanker,
0: right? So he'll play on he the outside. like top. a
1: Juju Smith, Keenan Allen, like outside, yeah. inside. Maybe yeah. not talent wise, he's on the same level, mm-hmm. but like that hybrid slot type of guy. He um, definitely
0: uses Keenan Allen as like uh, uh, a guy he looks up to because his route running is, has been impressive, like this last year. Yeah. Like, it really sucked for him, but like it, it, it was very impressive for me personally. I wasn't sure you know, coming into last season, whether he could succeed on the outside.
1: Yeah, and I mean, um, we also forget, too, that in the beginning of last year, certainly Shepard, had I think it was a broken finger that he ended up playing the year on. He had two concussions, which obviously isn't good and puts him at increased risk for the following year. But he also had 14.2 points per game when he was on the field. So and that, that's relatively – Like that's really high as opposed to some of the other wide receivers and where you're getting him in respect to uh, the draft. And uh, so straight up, you'd rather have Shepard over Slayton, right? Yeah, straight up.
0: If they're being drafted in the same spot, uh, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm taking Shepard just because uh, I want to depend on the targets. I want to depend on, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, more volume. I think Slayton is going to be great, but you have to depend on those big plays, right? It's going to be boom bust and you have to depend on other wide receivers not being there. Right, this yep. guy could potentially be fifth on the t- on on the target total pole, Right, you Saquon,
1: got Ingram, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate.
0: Exactly. Right. So that's not what I want to depend on. You know what I mean? Like, I think I think he's a good player, but he needs a lot to happen before he starts. You know, getting it done for you in fantasy.
1: Absolutely, I'm in a similar boat. Definitely. So that rounds out our uh, three sleepers each. We both have. I, I feel like we both have a couple of names we want to throw out for deep guys. So if you want to start, and then I'll. And this is with no explanations. A couple. Just try your best. Can can you say these names without explaining them? Can. can you, can you physically do it?
0: I'm gonna go. Yeah, right. go ahead. Deontay Johnson, Evan Ingram, Emmanuel Sanders, Zach Moss, Christian Kirk, Jalen Rager, AJ Dillon, my favorite, Stoney Shepherd, Anthony Miller. Preston Williams, Jarek McKinnon, I already talked about him, Brashad Perriman, Curtis Samuel, Paris Campbell, I t- already talked about him. Those, are, those That was the list that I was kind of picking out of. And I picked three guys that I, full disclosure, just haven't really talked about that much. You know, I talked about A.J. Dillon so much this offseason. So I, I, he was like the obvious choice. Like you were surprised when I didn't choose A.J. Dillon for this. Yeah. Um, but it's just because I talked about him a lot. So I figured, let me talk about some of you guys
1: yeah in, in previous episodes we brought up uh some of the other guys that i like too um i mean there's a lot of i don't know why i every year i'm just all in on the late round tight ends I hear i'm you. just i'm, I'm totally in is on mike kazicki Jonu smith awesome. chris Erndon, logan thomas
0: i'm sorry can, can you can you say those again
1: i was i was i really interrupted you Mike Izzyke, John o. Smith, <laughs> Mike Johnu Smith, Chris Erndon, Logan Thomas, Tyler Eifert, a name nobody's talking. Tyler Eifert and Logan Thomas are two names nobody's talking about, but um, we're we're not talking about those guys. <laughs> but just know Josh Oliver got hurt in uh, the Jacksonville tight ends had close to 100 combined targets last year, and then Logan Thomas is walking into a situation where he could be the number two target on the team, and he's one of the best tight ends. was you know Logan Thomas was the number one tight end coming out of high school in like that in the year where he was going to go to college. He was oh, yeah. the number one tight end prospect in the entire country. Wow. Then he went to a school where they made him turn into a quarterback. And then when he got drafted, he only wanted to get drafted as a quarterback. But every year he's played tight end, he's the last two years, he's been very he's played very, very well and he's improved every single year. And now he's right. in a situation where he's gonna be the starter. His metrics are insane. There's a whole thread of it on Twitter. <laughs> but Logan good. Thomas, just like don't don't forget that name. And I think that's it. I right. <laughs> It's going to awkwardly end out this episode. So uh, thank you guys for listening, watching, uh, however you go about listening and getting this content. Uh, we appreciate you. If you're on YouTube, feel free to subscribe, like the video, if, you, if it gave you some value. Uh, if you're not following us, I'm on Instagram, fantasy.football.analyst For us, although I'm pointing to the left, he's not going to be shown. We talk real quick, so see you. Hey, guys. I'm here. Okay. So him. <laughs> Him. <laughs> He's on Instagram at Upperhand Fantasy. And uh, yeah, is there anything you wanted to say to end us out for us?
0: No, man, that's it. Uh, this was fun. I'm glad we only stuck to three each. It still ended up being a <sighs> it was hard, a long enough podcast for everybody. I'm sure everyone's used to a two hour podcast. So I'm glad we were able to kind of, you know, condense it a little bit,
1: cut it down um, a little bit.
0: Yeah. But yeah, draft season's upon us, you know. So just pay attention. You know, uh, good luck in everyone's drafts. Hope everybody, you know, does their thing. Just remember,
1: The draft isn't going to win your championship. It's going to help you,
0: (laughs) but it's not going to win your championships, right?
1: It's only the start. Yeah, a lot of the winning comes with waiver pickups and starts and sits and stuff like that. And, you know, we'll be here for that too. So don't worry. Don't worry about it. That's right. All right. So thank you guys, and we'll see you next time.